Guys, this is the Swing Round Podcast. I'm your host, Jules St. Ledger, joined by my quarantine duo themselves. It's Louis Halpin and Lewis Howard. In this podcast, we're starting a new series called The Swingman Spotlight. And for volume one, we're turning the light on the beard himself, James Harden. Louis Youngfellow, where are you going to start us off on this highway to Harden? Well, we're just going to sort of go through Harden's career, highlights, highlight the, uh, the highs, the many, many lows. Uh, depending on the different well yeah okay many highs yeah, many we'll lows on this one uh just sort of maybe determine where he stands all time maybe at the end of this um so that only makes sense to start from you know the beginning of his professional career and he was out of the university of arizona he was drafted number three overall by the oklahoma city funder good decent draft class i must say blake griffin was taken first overall that's a no contest harlan was never going to go above him because he was like, you know, the Zion of that time. Machine yeah. for beat. An absolute monster. I can see why Memphis took him over James Harden as well. Uh, no, I'm not going to carry on with that. Uh, Steph Curry, stat taken later. A couple, you know, Drew Holiday. It's a decent draft class, but James Harden was a... He was a dime, but he found himself in a pretty weird situation in Oklahoma City with, you know, two other very, very good young players there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, came off of a great college year, consensus All American, Pac-10 Player of the Year. So he was, it was everyone thought he was going to go somewhat mm. high. Number three, maybe not sure. I think uh, there was most people thought top five. Interestingly, a few of the things reading back on it, one of the worries with scouts was apparently his lack of athleticism, which is quite strange looking back now. <laughs> Yeah, and, and maybe his it. first, yeah, maybe his first step wasn't that quick. They were hypothesising. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say that anymore. So, <laughs> so it's interesting looking back at it. Yeah, I was browsing through a couple, you know, NBA Draft.net reports, uh, and there's obviously they identified the stuff that we know him for now. You know, good feel and understanding of the game. Mm. Uh, in ISO situations, he has a variety of deceptive and shifty moves that allow him to get by defenders. That's most certainly true. He's leaned yeah. on that throughout his career. But I've identified some pitfalls, which I think we'll go into a bit later. We'll see kind of pops up every now and again in James Harden's career. There's one, a decent defender who doesn't gamble much, but his lack of great foot speed limits his ability as a lockdown guy. I think that's being generous. Um, ended the season with two very poor performances in the NCAA tournament which has unfairly taken some luster off of a great season. So an example there maybe of James Harden wilting a little bit under pressure, the highest pressure situation in college basketball. Um, yeah, so uh, these people know what they're talking about sometimes, you know. Um, but as I was saying before, he came into a situation where he had to take a back seat because there was Kevin Durant there who was already averaging 25 points per game. And then you got Russell Westbrook as well, just 
played his rookie season, decent rookie season for him. Um, so yeah, he started no games in his rookie season. What well, that's a weird thing looking back on it, isn't it? Uh, being number three in the draft, I guess yeah, that makes it strange. Yeah. Well, obviously, the further you go down, the more unlikely that is. I mean, he still played a decent amount of minutes. Oh no, but... I'm not saying he didn't play, but when yeah, you, not... when you're a number three pick these days, you're you're the guy who gets the ball, and you're the guy. Yeah, that's true. Mm. I mean, just look at number three. Look at number three this year. RJ Barrett's started most games for the Knicks. Whether you know how well they're doing is another thing, but mm. <laughs> we'll save that for another time. Funny that they yeah, but... decided right from the off that him and Russ couldn't coexist. Like, yeah, I immediately. guess it's yeah, and then look, looking at what's happened now, that's gone full circle, yeah, with them, them in Houston. Well, I mean, there's still the argument that people say that they can't coexist, so... I that's mean, something. yeah. They're both players who thrive with the ball in their hands, so I can understand why they came to that conclusion then. But to be fair to Harden, he, he didn't complain like a lot of... You know, I remember Marvin Bagley a couple of years ago, his dad was complaining that he wasn't getting started enough. Um, mm. he, he, he got on with it, to be fair to him. He settled into that role of six man very, very well, uh, you know, very efficiently. And that, that tandem, that free, that free, you know, trio, it, it formed quite well. It suited everyone, I think. And you can draw the comparisons a bit to how the Spurs at that time, they had Tim Duncan, who's obviously different to Kevin Durant, but, you know, their front court star. And then you've got Russell Westbrook, Tony Parker. And then Ginobili comes off the bench and Ginobili was a guy that James Harden was compared a lot to coming into yeah, the draft. Who is? Actually. I think that's a good comparison. Uh, all you've got to do is look for his time in OKC as as it went on year to year. It was quite short, mm. so it wasn't that many years. But it ste- uh, that mould steadily improved as they went along, obviously, ultimately going to that Western Conference Finals in 2012. So they definitely found a system. Because the that finals, worked. not just the... Uh... Sorry, finals. Yeah, I meant finals. Yeah. yeah. And so they obviously found a system that worked. Mm, it did work very, very well. Um, but, you know, we can say he won six man of the year. Obviously, we should mention that. The team was very, very good that year in 2020, uh, 2012. Sorry. Um, but if we're talking James Harden, we we got to talk about the playoffs. So let's yeah, get on to we, that. Guess... We jumped to 2012 now, yeah. That, that That's the next big moment. Mm. I mean, I, I won't even go straight to 2012. I just want to mention in like his second year, he was quite good in the playoffs as well. You know, yeah. 13 minutes, about four assists, 48% shooting. Only 31 minutes a game, so that's not bad whatsoever. But like you said, he, uh, they made it to the finals in 2012 and he had a really good game against the Spurs. Uh, series, sorry. Series against the Spurs, 18 points, four assists. 50% shooting. He was definitely better than Russell Westbrook in this series. Probably the entire mm. player, actually. Yeah, but if you fast forward to the 2012 NBA Finals against mm. Miami so, Heat, so. that that flips on its head, unfortunately, and that is yeah. In in that finals, he actually interestingly, when I was looking, he averaged the third most minutes in that finals, behind obviously Durant and Westbrook. Mm. Not even but that. he yeah, he only averaged. 12.4 points per game in that series and the field goal percentage was not great so yeah he didn't have yeah he didn't have the greatest series i mean whether you hold that against him he'd only been in the year he'd only been in the league three years he's a sick man he's not the main guy yeah. in that miami heat team was obviously fantastic so i don't i don't think people dwell on that too much but maybe it was a sign of some people would maybe say it's a sign of things to come if you if you have that you know that whole Harden playoffs agenda. Mm. 
George? I mean, interestingly enough, in that 2012 playoff series, obviously he, he didn't start any games. I mean, uh, OKC, he didn't really start many games, period. I think he started seven. But I've got here, he started seven games for OKC in the regular season and he never started a playoff game for OKC. But in that 2012 playoff series for them, um, one, it's the most amount of games he's played in in a playoff series. And it's also the best he's ever shot from three, which is when you're associating James Harden, he shot 41% from three in that playoff series. Not just in, sorry, not just for the for the Heat series, but in the playoffs in general. Mm. That was his best shooting the three performances yeah, the, that he's ever had. That was the thing, yeah. This was the playoff series, or in the playoffs, he might have been shooting well, but in the finals, he mm. did not shoot well at all. So, no. <laughs> so yeah, there was, there was a bit of a drop there. So you're saying to me, George, that hard maybe not his best playoffs ever because it's different gravy going from a sixth man to a yeah to like a main guy. Yeah. But you're saying to me the best statistical anyway performance he ever had in the playoffs was when he was the sixth man when he could look, look, not yeah. hide behind <sighs> I'm not gonna say he hid behind Kevin Durant or Russell Westbrook, but he wasn't the first guy and that Spurs series, I will mention, that Western Conference Finals against the Spurs, I'm going to say this right now, we haven't even got onto the Houston stuff. I think that might be his a, a pressure situation. I mean, he smoked the Jazz a couple times, but I don't really care about that. That In, <laughs> in terms of like an actual proper series where it's competitive and it means something, that might be his best one. Like, it might be. I mean, if you look at it on it on a stats-based performance, a three-point range of twenty games on that series, and yes, it's his best shooting performance. But I'm not going to. Again, I use this and I to and fro on this argument when I make this point when I argue for players like Bradley Beal, Trey Young, Devin Booker. Obviously, not being the main offensive threat means that he wasn't guarded by their number one guys, which means he's going to get more open looks and he's going to get the ball given up if defenses crash. But at the same time, I can't argue against you and say that, yes, pretty much when he didn't have pressure on him, he's delivered. And that's what we're saying. Not even though he did not deliver, but you know mm. you know what I'm saying here. I'll have an interesting re- question for you before we mo- leave the whole OKC thing, because I think we've mm. come to the same conclusion. Yeah, you, it, there's signs here what, what could have, you know, what was going to become of James Harden's career, really, but we can't really read too much into it because he was so young and because he didn't have that responsibility yet. But do you think if Sam Presti, this would never have happened, by the way, but if Sam Presti <laughs> would have chose to keep James Harden and instead trade Russell Westbrook because they they wanted to avoid the luxury tax, I don't know why, they just did. If they would have done that to avoid the luxury tax instead, so they got Harden starting point guard, shooting guard, whatever, and Kevin Durant, do you think that OKC team wins a championship? Look, I think one, OKC did try to sign him. They tried to get him on a four-year deal for around... It was absolutely a joke of a contract. It was a joke of a contract and it was very too late for him to even consider it and then to even trade on anything like that, which I think also, essentially, they showed their cards by giving him an offer like that anyway. They didn't need to, no, but it was more of the point... I think you can look in hindsight for this and I don't think it would have resulted in a contract anyway, uh, in a championship anyway, between Harden and Kevin Durant, simply just because of the teams they were coming up against. Again, you can look in hindsight and say if, buts and maybes, but I I personally wouldn't have seen it even if Harden had stayed and they'd have traded Westbrook. I I uh, think it's, it's hard because when you do, when, when you do this a lot of the time, you look at the player he is now, or the, or the player he was at Houston in the in the short years after, 
and you think, oh, what if that person was in the OKC team instead of Westbrook? Maybe if someone is someone how someone would attack this question. But you have to remember, or you have to think that if if he stays at OKC, does he turn into the player that he started to develop into when he joined Houston? No, he's not going to be the same player he was in Houston. It's so it's difficult to to look well, at it because you have to well, think what how potentially does he develop then in that scenario as opposed to when he moved to Houston. What happened in 2013? Who did OKC go out to? Was it Memphis? Yeah, Russell Westbrook got injured in the first round of the playoffs that year, which was against James Harden's Houston Rockets, actually. Um, and then they went out to Memphis in the second round, I believe. Memphis then lost in the Western Conference Finals to San Antonio. Um, yeah, I think that gives us a good like little segue there when you said about the Houston thing, because James Harden is basically a Daryl Morey baby. He's yeah, exactly. Everything he has ever wanted. A guy who gets free throws at a historic rate, shoots three pointers contested heavily. He doesn't really care that much. But, you know, that's what Darren Morey likes. Those are the two most effective shots to him. And, you know, not just him, this is the whole advanced statistics statistics community. Sorry. Um, yeah. So, so I was so, saying before, it's like talking about the system that he was yeah. putting in Houston, allowing him to thrive and whether that would be there at OKC for him. I will say that we're, we're going to probably trash Harden a little bit later for the player performances and that. And I don't want this to, to be to be too negative because he's one of the greatest players of all time. Like, it, it top, we'll, we'll decide that later. We'll get to that but, later. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get but to this, that. this stretch from when he joined Houston to now is genuinely one of the best regular season stretches anyone's ever had. He's been yeah, an all-star I mean, especially... every season. Especially on offense as well. Yeah, offensively, it, you you know you could argue he's right up there with the greatest full stop. Mm. Every, every just looking every season, it just gets better and better and better until the last couple of years where he, I don't want to say he's peaked because I don't want to say there's no room for improvement or anything like that. But he is now yeah. at a level which is just unbelievable. We do always say that he's peaked, and then he just does seem to pull something out of the bag where yeah. he's. Close. I mean, he was close at one point in the season, so averaging 40 points a game. That's obviously dipped a little bit. Um, but I just wanted to say he's been an all-star every season since he's joined Houston. He's been in the all-NBA team ever since he's joined Houston, most of the time in the first team. And he's received votes for MVP. You could argue that he should have... He probably should have more than one MVP, shouldn't he, really? I think that Russell Westbrook I one's know. not... I, I think you could argue... Yeah. To, maybe two, I'd say. Maybe two. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, I think Yanis's one last year was Yanis, but the Russell Westbrook one, yeah, you know, it was not it was a real result of narrative that one. I think triple yeah. double. Oh, he's on but, a bad you know, team. You know how much narrative plays a role in mm-hmm. I in, do. in the MVP. We were talking, you know, we've talked in previous podcasts about the whole LeBron Yanis debate and how the narrative might play well might have played a role in that. I don't know yeah. what's happen- going to be happening with that now with with the current situation. Um. Christ, there's a spider next to me. And anyway, sorry. <laughs> I'm, not that, I'm not that bad with spiders, so I can handle it. Uh, what was I going to say? I'm all, I'm all flustered now. Well, I mean, <laughs> you, were talking about, you were talking about how consistent oh, yeah. and great the stretch oh, yeah. has been since he's been at Houston. Um, yeah, so we, people were questioning, you know, can the sixth man go from being the sixth man to a number one guy? And I think, that those questions were very very quickly 
put to bed, but been an up and down time, I will say, for yeah. James. Well, should we get into the, the trade then before we move on to his time um, in Houston in more detail? Well, what, would you, what do you want to say about the trade? Just uh, Any thoughts on it? I think we're all pretty, everyone's pretty I mean, it's an absolute thought. robbery. It's a daylight yep. robbery from Daryl <laughs> yeah. Morey. I don't know what Presti thought he... Uh, it's uh, one of the worst trades of all time. It genuinely yeah, is. Yeah, it's, it's definitely up there. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's get into the playoffs again. <laughs> Yeah, well, just before what... that, I'd just yeah. like to say, just looking at his first year in um, Houston, first mm-hmm. year he made the All-NBA third team, and one, one thing that I saw that was quite interesting, I think, I, I don't know, I only saw this from one source, so I don't know if this is, this might have to be fact-checked, basically. Apparently he's just the seventh player in the Rockets' history to earn All-NBA recognition at the time, so that was 2013. Really? Yeah, well, apparently, I don't, I don't know... We might have to check that, but mm. yeah, um, I can't really name that many great players who played for Houston. Hakeem, obviously, Ralph Sampson probably got one. Oh, that's an interesting one, you know. Yeah, it is, isn't I it? I mean, other than Hakeem, I think he's probably that the uh, who you'd relate to the Houston Rockets, and that's a mm. a very big achievement considering he's never won a championship there. But actually, let's let's talk about a minute about. The aesthetics, maybe, of James Harden's style of play, shall we say? Some well, people, you, you can go into that. You've been a big proprietor on that debate, so would you like well, to get into it? I've never said it's not effective. It obviously is. I just don't find it very entertaining to watch. Hmm. Uh, I mean, George, you can. I mean, we've argued on this. We've argued yeah. on this at great lengths of the fact that watching someone as technically gifted and as truly spectacular as James Harden play ISO play on any defender and break ankles and separate teams and break down defenses just as doing his own thing I think is is worth the the ticket price of when you'd go and watch the Rockets but um, you disagree and you'd like to watch a team pass the ball around the perimeter and then take a fake shot and go inside but I, I do prefer ball movement. I can't lie. I prefer it to watching the same guy all the time. And I get what you mean. James Harden's obviously supremely talented. And you obviously want to watch supremely talented players play basketball. It's quite obvious. But I, I, I don't know. It's just not very... Uh, it's, it's just too samey for me. Every possession's the same. And I think this had an effect on the overall perception, maybe, of him. I think if he if he wasn't so isolation heavy maybe people would have given him an extra mvp maybe an extra mvp or two i don't know but maybe does that play into the perception of james harden in general do you think do you think that lowers his popularity um Not i wouldn't sure. say lowers popularity from it but when you think of james harden you are automatically associating him with an unbelievable elite tier one level scorer and a tier one level iso player because if you've got the skills for it, people, I know there's a difference from what I'm about to say here, but when you look at someone like Kyrie Irving and everyone goes on about the fact that he has mm. arguably the best handles in the NBA, but it's not used as it, it almost is now used as a derogatory term against James Harden for when he's playing ISO play, when it's his highest skill, it's his best skill. He can break a defender down. He has to be double teamed when he gets on fire. It's as simple as that. So I can't see. I can't see why it's used as a narrative against him of his ISO play, especially in the regular season when it is shown to be so damn effective. Yeah, I, I think it's sure. interesting. I think it's interesting no. the 
the negativity that surrounds him sometimes because as a person he's quite a reserved character so it's it's not like he outwardly does anything that would lead people to be negative towards him it's purely the basketball which is very strange and i think maybe it's a case of as you said maybe people don't like the way the way that the rockets and he and he plays but i think it could also be a case of not appreciating what the skills are on show that you're seeing like so like even if you prefer the ball movement kind of basketball you should still be able to appreciate the skills that are on show from him yeah i i do understand that and as again a lot i wouldn't hold it against him in in an MVP race, MVP race, sorry, or an MVP decider. I'm not saying that's a narrative against him. I think there is a sort of unconscious bias, maybe, against James Harden for those types of awards because people prefer watching other players. That, that that's all yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, I think I think that's that's possibly the case, and that's why I was bringing up, you know, the fact of his character is himself. He's he's quite a reserved person, so it's mm-hmm. even more interesting to see how negative some people are towards him because it's just. You know, he, he doesn't do anything to upset anyone, really, at all. Yeah, no, it's true. He is a bit of an introvert. I think I've realised yeah. that watching his MVP speech when he won that mm. a couple of years ago, he looked like he looked like a deer in headlights, honestly. He looked like he couldn't handle it. And I think he said swag at some point, and that's not acceptable in any form of MVP <laughs> speech. Maybe um, in 20... Maybe, maybe back then. Interesting well, fact. That's not though, that far ago, actually. Yeah. Interesting fact, though, James Harden's a bit of a party animal. Oh, and right. uh, James Harden, is act- he, um, I read an article doing some research for that, that he was, in fact, getting sued by the uh, the uh, Los Angeles government or whatever it is, council, for, for throwing such a raucous party. So there, there you go. Fun fact oh, for you. Maybe, maybe that's, <laughs> that's something to tell you the contrary of, of No, he's an introvert. Said. Is oh, that the we'll one that he's been sued for like thirty million dollars? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, Such about a raucous party. Um, we'll <laughs> get into the the personality trait of him anyway later. But now that we've gotten into that, and obviously he was rewarded with his MVP in that one season with the, uh, Chris Paul was there, deservedly so. But there was a few seasons before Chris Paul got there, and they're yeah. not pretty, shall we say, for James Harden in terms of the postseason anyway. Uh, First two years, first round bounce. You know, he shoots below 40% each time. Uh, and then in his third year, they go to the conference finals against the not quite Golden State Warriors. They were pretty good, but they weren't like the best, best team in the league yet. Um, and then they go down in five, game six. Sorry, yeah, yeah game six. He shoots two out of 11 in the elimination game. 18 points in 43 minutes. Quite frankly, that's not good enough. Yeah, interestingly though, I was looking at the 2015 Western Conference Finals, and even though they lost four-one, which you know makes it seem like mm. they they got beaten pretty badly. Just looking from a statistical standpoint, he actually put up some pretty decent numbers in that series. And when, and when it comes to when it comes to Western Conference Finals and Finals, just looking at them, that's probably the best he's performed. Yeah, but yeah, you know what? Twenty-eight and a half points, but which is actually less than 
the 2018 one, which we'll talk about later. But in terms of shooting efficiency, he was shooting well that series, put it that way. And he, and I think he was, he he led all players in steals that series as well. It, oh, it looks yeah. like, from a statistical standpoint, that was his best series in, in towards the tail end of the season. People slam on Harden for his defense all the time. He's actually quite a good stealer. I think mm. he's, he's an elite post defender. He's a big guy. He's powerful. That's what they all say yeah. about him. In the post, he is a fantastic post defender. Simple as. It's not a debate. He is. I think, obviously, I don't think he's got, it's not the athleticism really. I think it's just the, the quickness of, you know, lateral quickness maybe it is, that he can't stay with the truly elite guys on the perimeter. Or maybe it is an effort thing. I'm not too sure. It's a bit of both. But he, uh, he's not as bad a defender as people make out. He's definitely better. I've said this. He's definitely better than Steph Curry. Like a hundred percent, he is. hundred percent, he's better than Steph Curry on defense. Um, but anyway, I'll, I'll go through the next seasons. Uh, so do you know they were coached by Kevin McHale for a couple of those seasons there? Boston Celtics legend. Shout mm-hmm. out there. Um, mm-hmm. But then he got sacked earlier after that season where they got to the Western Conference Finals. You know, came in. Mr. Mike D'Antoni, and he seems like the perfect guy to unlock a true monster James Harden because he'd done the same to a guy called Steve Nash a couple of years ago. And then yeah. as soon as Mike D'Antoni came in, he had his first real MVP candidate season. That was the season where Russell Westbrook won it, which I think James Harden probably should have done. I'll remind you of the statistics there. 29.1 points, uh, 11.2 assists, and 8.1 rebounds. Pay point guard most of the year, out of position. Um, and then, but then there was the postseason <laughs> again, and they lost against the San Antonio Spurs. That just, I think, that was the uh, season after they'd won their last championship. Tim Duncan wasn't there. He had a really bad elimination game again. This was in the Western Conference semis, by the way. Ten points in thirty-seven minutes in Game Six. Ten points. That's the elimination game. Two for mm. eleven. That's. Well, that was after the Warriors won, wasn't it? Their championship. Yeah, that was. Sorry, you are correct. Tim yeah. Duncan retired after they got knocked out by Warriors. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it wasn't a great San Antonio Spurs team. It was like Kawhi before he was really Kawhi. Um, and just sort of transitional. Not really going to compete for a championship, but they're not bad. In any case, 10 points in 37 minutes is atrocious. That's, yeah. yeah. Um. As I'm going through this, I want you to name. I'm giving you the challenge of naming what James Harden's Stephen Gerrard moment is. And if you don't know who Stephen Gerrard is, uh, if you're American, he was a you know one of the best Premier League midfielders. I think people can argue against that, whatever. But he oh, never right. won a Premier League title. And uh, there was a moment which he was so close yet so far, and he slipped over. The ball Denver went Bar straight came running. Uh, yeah, an onrushing Denver Bar, and he uh, <laughs> slotted it home. And then Liverpool didn't win the title that year. Stephen Gerrard. Yeah, if you can, if you can tell, no Liverpool fans is. <laughs> <laughs> so, any of these are Stephen Gerrard moment for James Harden? Uh, I think. I well, I think one's happen. coming. I think. I think yeah. the big one's coming. So, <laughs> so we'll wait for it. I mean, there's uh, a big storm coming. Yeah. Okay. So, after that atrocious Spurs uh, knockout, my uh, not Mac don't tell me. Daryl Morey decides to make his big money move. You know what he done? He traded for Chris Paul at the Los Angeles Clippers. Blockbuster sign and trade. You know how many players are in this? Okay, Houston sent Pat- Patrick Beverly, Beverly, 
Oh, nice. Lou Williams, Sam Decker, Montrez Harrell, <laughs> no. Darren Hill- Hilliard. I don't even know who that is. DeAndre Liggins, Kyle Wiltyer, and a protected first round pick to the Clippers for uh, Chris Paul. So was this the was this the best chance this season? Uh, I mean, I mean, just him with Chris Paul in in, in those first couple years. Yes. Mm. I mean, a lot of people questioned. Pain. A lot of people questioned that fit. You know, when they brought him in, because how is Paul and Harden going to be able to coexist? They yeah. both like having the ball, but they done it well. They really did. Yep. I, I will make the argument, and, and I made this argument when um, the Brody joined the Rockets anyway, that granted their play styles may not fit, but when you put two people as talented as what Chris Paul, he still is talented, but not to the extreme of what he was, and James Harden on the same team, they can find a way to make it work. Um, so you've got to be looking at it. And when that trade was made, and I, I remember there being... Um, this was the time when the word juggernaut and the kind of the, the powerhouse teams were, I know that it's always thrown about now anyway, but the, the phrase juggernaut was, was mentioned at the time of this trade. And you really think that you put in James Harden, you put in Chris Paul together on a team. It's their, again, it's their best shot at a chip, but you're going to argue it now. I'd argue with Russell Westbrook, it's a better chance than what it would have been with, with Chris Paul there. Mm. But yeah. Oh, I'm not sure about that. We'll get onto the Russell Westbrook stuff, I think, a bit later. But um, I think Mike D'Antoni done a really good job of spreading their minutes out so both could perform their duties at, you know, how they wanted to. Chris Paul has always had the offense go through him. James Harden had become accustomed to that. Um, and then it just worked well because these are two of the greatest shot creators of all time. They're two of the, you know... Greatest three-point shooters as well, actually. Chris Paul has been underrated in that aspect for over his career. And I don't know why people were questioning it, to be fair. It, it came at a right time for Chris Paul because he was just beginning sort of the downward slope of his career, shall we say. It was hit this time that he was like, I'm going to have to make some sacrifices here or otherwise I'm never going to win a yeah. championship. And worked well. They won 65 games across the regular season. They're the best offense in the league by far. And the mm. seventh best defense, surprisingly enough. Uh, Chris Paul's a great defender. Um, so we get to the playoffs. But I don't think anyone, even though they've been the best team in the NBA by far across that season, I still think no one truly believed that the Houston Rockets could beat the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, everyone favored the Warriors in that in that Western Conference Finals. When you have Kevin Durant, it's just like a cheat code. I think that it just, you know, that that always played in the back of my mind that, okay, they've got two guys that work really, really well together in a system that works really well, but they've got three guys that can get a shot at will. And then they've got Draymond Green as an all-elite defender. But I digress. They breezed through the Minnesota Timberwolves, my Minnesota Timberwolves. A sad, sad time that was, (laughs) 4-1. Jimmy Butler could not handle James Harden. He was very good in that series. And he was very good in the one after against Utah. But you know what? There was no pressure there. Everyone expected. You know, James Harden didn't have to have a good game against Minnesota or Utah for them to go through. He did have to have an amazing game for at least seven games against the Golden State Warriors. And 
well, that's just this is going to be the main focus of this series, uh, this episode. So let's get yeah. on to it. So yeah, I mean, first off, I'd say they did well to get to even take them to seven games and. The yeah, the did. issue is with that is while they did well, one, they didn't win, and two, the way they positioned themselves towards the end of it, <laughs> you would argue they really should have. But we'll get we'll get into that now. Yeah. So I'll say throughout this series, James Harden played quite well. Twenty eight yeah. points, six is it I'm looking at these and I'm thinking every other big big player you can think of, Shaquille O'Neal, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant. Tim Duncan, all these guys in the postseason, their stats go up from the regular season. They treat the regular season as practice, basically. James Harden's, mm. they always go down. Always. It's never a case of him elevating his game to another level when it really matters. He's like, I want to get my stats for this regular season. So people look back. They're like, oh, this guy was really, really good. I'm not sure if that's yeah. his mentality. I, no, I, don't, I don't think that's his mentality at all. He's yeah, well, he, he can't do it in the postseason, can he? He can't raise those. He can't raise it even higher. I just think part of the reason is because obviously there there are some question marks around it now. I'm not denying that, but how they play during the regular season is so predicated around James Harden that he, if the Houston Rockets are going to win a game he will be putting up monster numbers. Mm. And then well, obviously he's... come the playoffs when he, they still basically play the same way. Uh, but teams obviously pay more attention to it and prepare for it a bit more than they do during the regular season. I think you'd expect the stats to go down a bit from how astronomical, because you have to remember as well, the stats that he puts up in those regular seasons, they are all-time level. So to push that even further would be some feat. And obviously he hasn't done that yet. And you talk about your LeBrons and your players like that. And and maybe that's what, when we talk later about where he is all time, maybe that's what stops him from being thrusted into the best of the best conversation. Obviously that and without no championship as well. I think it's an issue when, as you said, the entire team result is predicated on how well James Harden does in yeah. these moments. And I think it's become very clear now, we've highlighted a couple points, James Harden isn't really comfortable in the highest pressure scenarios. I'm not saying, you know, an NBA game is high pressure anyway, but these are like, you know, tightrope situations. The, yeah, these are legacy making. These are those games. And while while I do think, personally, I still think that he can do it, you, when you do look back at what we've spoken about to, on this podcast, there is evidence to say otherwise. And and just looking, uh, I'll bring up another statistic from that 2018 Western Conference Finals when they when they lost four three. Mm-hmm. Before we get into the last game, I'll leave, I'll leave the the quote unquote Stephen Gerrard moment for <laughs> for a bit for next. But in the second half of the final two games. The Warriors outscored the Rockets 122 to 63, <laughs> which is pretty incredible. You know, they had big, it, it wasn't just that they lost, and we'll get on to the game seven now, but it, it wasn't just that they lost, but it was the manner in which they lost and the yeah. leads that they had that really cements that series in people's minds, especially, and 
is and ex exacerbates this uh, this agenda of James Harden in these high pressure moments. Before we do really get into this game seven, I think it is important to note if this is your two Stephen Gerrard moments, it's actually not my Stephen Gerrard moment. I don't think. Oh, okay. But, well, do you want to talk about it now, and then we'll get on to maybe your point of what you think is yeah, instead. Yeah, no, no, talk about it now. But I just wanted to say that they didn't have Chris Paul for this game. He obviously yes. had his hamstring in, is it game five or game six? Game I five. Game five. And Chris Paul was playing out of his, he outperformed, I think, James Harden in a number of these games. He did and he was, indeed. And mm, it was the reason yeah. why it went as long as it did, and he wasn't there. And, yeah, I mean, a lot of people argue. Yeah. In, in that game seven, if Chris Paul was there, then the Rockets would would mm. be in the finals and maybe, and then you get on to another, the next conversation, would they win the finals? Maybe he would have a ring. But... Uh, I am most definitely one of them. And if James, if Chris Paul was in that game seven, they would have won that game. That's a fact, in my opinion. Uh, well, it's not a fact, but I believe it as well. I think, uh, I think, so, I think but... looking, looking, at, looking at the evidence of what happened in the games previous and how well CB3 was playing, I think, it can be hard to it's hard to argue otherwise. Although people, I know people bring up the argument of, you know, the champions would elevate their level to match the opposition. But I personally, I don't buy into that. No, yeah, I don't. The... I think if you put in Chris Paul in, I think PJ Tucker played in his place instead in point guard. Um, if you put Chris Paul in that team, then especially on Steph Curry and his defensive frailties, I can't see any way out of the fact that they don't win that game on their home court. So. Yeah. And on the other end as well, because Chris Paul exactly. was really dogging Steph Curry. That He always dogs Steph Curry, but he was really like going for him. Those series. two have got some, some long history together of making sure that they're, they're very petty. If you can remember, there's a few Chris Paul shaking in the shoulders. Mm, Steph the Curry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's, great, there's, meme, great memes have been created from that. Yeah, yep. there's, there's a few times um, throughout the course of many, many playoffs where they've they've uh, had encounters so um yeah but regardless of the but, fact i'm a firm believer that that the rockets would have advanced if cp3 yeah. had made game seven alas he he was not playing in game seven and even even with dogged defending being added there was still the issue of the record 27 missed from <laughs> 27 missed shots from long range, which is incredible, and 14 in the third quarter, which was when that lead that they had built in the first oh, half God. got absolutely decimated. And it's just what you must feel after that game. I cannot comprehend it. Well, that, that is all time gutting, that is. It is indeed, and I think uh, again you can. It's hard to not argue. It's hard to argue against this not being James Harden's Gerard moment. But I, I know he shot two or thirteen from the floor that game. But it does get looked over that Eric Golden went two of twelve from three as well in that series in that game. Yeah, oh yeah, it, that's that's the thing. It wasn't just him. It was the team that that it was just shocking. And, and the game before as well. It was Trevor time. Trevor Ariza had 12 shots and didn't make a bucket. He so was like, awful. He was, I, he very was so overrated, that, that, that loss. I remember that summer, oh, they don't have Trevor Ariza anymore. He always bricks shots in any case. Um, but yes, so Stephen Gerrard moment. <laughs> that would be mine, would be that that record. I don't three. think he's there. It's, it's him as well as, a, as well as the team. But I, I think if you told me, you know, what is the moment where that would have been the time? 
that would be what I'd pick. So I'd like to hear what you would say instead. See, for me, that's that you know, that's him going up against three of the greatest players, offensive yeah, players of all side. time, and although he did play really, really badly in another elimination game, uh, I can't put that as a Steven Gerrard moment. I'll put it for the season after. But I, I felt I think that's interesting that you mentioned that if they went, if Chris Paul's in this game, they hundred percent win it. Is that more of a suggestion of? That if they had his points, that they win that, or is it because? Do you think that James Harden isn't the type of leader? Like he needs like a guy like Chris Paul, who's an absolute bulldog, win at all I costs. Think... I'm going to tug them on their you know shirts. I'm going to hit them in the face and get away with it or whatever. In, He's just in not that, that streetwise. In that series, maybe just just the personality. It, 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 and obviously he's he he was still there to be supportive to his team, but he wasn't on the call. And I think uh, uh, in that moment, I would say yes, he needed it. Um, I would disagree. I I think James Harden is that type of personality. I just think that at that time, it was a bit of a different James Harden to what we have now. Yeah, that's what I mean. That, that's what I mean. That's uh, what I'm saying. In that moment, yes, I, w- I, I would say now it's helped. Think- I still think that's unfair for it. I, 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 I honestly, I think it was more of Chris Paul, not his leadership, but just Chris Paul's presence. I know that you can kind of align the two together here, but it's his ability to one. If you put Chris Paul in a point guard over, uh, and absolutely no disrespect whatsoever, but if you put Chris Paul into in in place of point guard, it's going to be a different outlook on how the Warriors approach that game. It's going to be a different outlook yeah. on how. Uh, and how the Rockets approach that game. His ability to crash defences alone will give you an extra 10 points in that game, period. And I also believe that the quality of passing that would have been on show from them would have given people a lot more spacing and would have given a lot more ability to make shots of the 27 that they missed. Yeah, I, I agree as well. I agree with that. But I, I would add the intangibles along with it, personally. Maybe but anyway, on to, on to what you would say is the Stephen Gerrard by the Luke's which gets it. Well, oh, I guess it's going to be the season after. Oh, it's a hundred percent the season after because mm. I put it like in a pure statement that they had Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and Clay Thompson on the floor the season before, and James Harden had James Harden and basically a bunch of glorified role players, which he makes better. Mm. Um, but they're, they're 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 role players at the end of the day. This time yeah. they had you know this isn't even a game seven. This is just a game six, and Kevin Durant is obviously injured. And it's Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Jalen Green. You know, they won 72, 73 games, sorry. It's not exactly as, as if they're a bad team. But they're yeah. beatable. They are beatable if they don't have Kevin Durant, which I don't think they are if they do. And <laughs> uh, that's got to be the Stephen. That's a slip. Like, that is the time that is presented to you. And maybe they don't go on and beat Toronto. I don't know. That, that's a different. That's you know a different discussion actually because I think Toronto are a tougher out than Cleveland were the year before, but mm. that's the best chance to beat Golden State is when they don't have a so, top twenty, top fifteen player with them, and then Steph Curry just roasts you. He absolutely goes off. That's probably his best playoff game ever. What game six? And that's a good playoff game. Yeah, game six, Houston. Go and watch it. It's on League Pass right now. You can get it for free. Game six, it, isn't that game? Clay Thompson was better than Steph Curry. No, no, no. 
No, no. Well, they're both very good, actually. But that's a Steph Curry. That's an all-time Steph Curry game to me. Yeah, I, I would say t- 2018 Western Conference Finals. Clay Thompson in that series. He was unbelievable in that series. Western Conference Finals against. Uh, oh yeah, sorry. Yeah. You know, 2018. I'm going. I'm going. The year yeah, we we're talking about. Just then. He, yeah. In that series, he was unbelievable. I think it. I'm not gonna. I, I can't. I see your point. I really do. But James Harden yeah, in the playoff series was a lot better than he was in the prior. I understand what you, where you're coming from from it, mm. but in that game six as well, when you just look at, if you take it away from Steph Curry v James Harden or whoever you want to pit him up against on the other side, again, I'll go back to the team. If you look at that game six, Clay Thompson shot 54% from free. Iguodala shot 62.5% from free. He made five from eight. Clay made seven from 13. Steph made four from 11, right? Un. un- unbelievable numbers on a game six here away from home. Right. And then when you're looking at it here, James Harden went six of 15 from three and the rest of the team, like Gerald Green went two of seven. He was the other best off- offensive threat in that city. Like, Gerald Green. Like yeah. what I'm saying is it, Chris Paul didn't even play that great in that series. Like no, yeah. it's, it's, it's the fact of, all right, granted, if it was going to be his moment to stand up and take that team because they haven't got Kevin Durant there, fair enough. But I'm not going to blame James Harden for that series just because Clay Thompson and Steph Curry absolutely stepped but up and that. Because Steph Curry and Clay Thompson stepped up because they have that fire. And everyone was saying, oh, they don't have Kevin Durant. They're easy going to lose. They they didn't want to go out like that. And I feel like they willed themselves to victory. I don't. I just don't think James Harden has that ability. In but these uh, in, in regular season, fine. But, in that game six game, outscored both of them. I know he did, but I, I wanted to go for fifty. What I would say with the eighteen nineteen comparison, and we're having well, twenty eighteen to twenty nineteen, comparing the two. I would say to your point, if you if you just looked, say no games had been played, and you were just looking at the matchups, and you looked at the twenty eighteen to the twenty nineteen game, you would think, okay, that twenty nineteen Warriors team. Is way worse than it was last year because of the absence of Kevin Durant. So, in, if you look at it from that point, you would think, all right, That's on best. paper, this is the best chance that the Rockets have. But I, I think for me, it's it's taking the games into context. So it's almost it's almost like looking at the the games that are uh, that had been played instead of just looking on paper and saying, oh, okay, this, the situation that they were in, you know, they. They were in those last two games. They did have those moments to actually make it. It, it wasn't just a matchup. It was they were ahead. I just they, they could have brought it home, but they. I, they just I really get it. I really do, and I see your point of like I, I wanted to go for fifty and absolutely drag this team over the line. But let's not debate the fact. Game one, he was tied as most scoring points in that game. Game two, he was tied as most scoring points in that three. Game three, Kevin Durant went off for 46. Game four, James Harden. Game five, James Harden. Game six, James Harden. He literally did. efficiency here? Yeah, that that was the issue. The efficiency was terrible. Well, it wasn't. I say terrible. Terrible strong. It it wasn't wasn't up to par. From three, like. Yeah, but look, uh, we're talking about the 2018 series, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, yeah, he shot just a, I'm talking Are you talking about 2019? Okay, yeah. okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, the, oh, sorry, I thought you were talking about 2018 for a like, second. He, he led the scoring in five of six games. Yeah. I grant the efficiency point, but on that Rockets team, he's your main threat. He's leading the scoring. What else? Like, I can't blame it on him for that. That's when, if he's leading the scoring, then you're looking at role players from this. 
Like in that first game, I remember Clint Capella drops an absolute. Oh, he was god awful. Oh, he, he was awful against the Warriors. Yeah, I, I would, yeah. I would say you do obviously. I think you do have to look at the efficiencies, even if he is the top scoring. Because looking back at 2018, was the point I was going to make. I thought you were talking about 2018. He he was his efficiency. He only shot just above 40 percent from the field, and just above 24 percent from free, which is awful for him and for his high standards. Yeah, he still averaged 28.7. So you know, just looking at the points he the points per game he got, you know, it doesn't tell the whole story. But I, I do agree with you in that the 2019 games i think it was less on him because i know being that being the main guy in the team you look to him and say you know take us take us home but i i think in context that makes more sense in the 2018 series when you've got that lead in in those last two games you know you will look to your best player to to take them home essentially what, what i just said I think, I think in context, it makes more sense in that than in the other one. I mean, this might be an unfair comparison to make because this is one of the greatest players of all time. But if you give Kobe that opportunity, game six, in your home court, their best player is gone. I think you, he doesn't miss that opportunity. That's the point <laughs> I'm trying to make. I, mean, I agree, but this is where then you come down the comparison. You're just ranking the two players and James Harden yeah, exactly. isn't near Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, and that's what holds him back in those conversations. But, I mean, an interesting point I would put you to, or not a question, is do you think that 2018 series played a part in what happened the next year? Of course it did. Yeah. It's a bit like what LeBron James says in terms of uh, of the Miami Heat. And and if he didn't step up in that moment, then you're scared that he's going to break the whole team up. That's what happens. They broke the team up. But then I'd say I'd say to that point, using the LeBron example, and uh, and this once again, this always this is coming back to the point of comparing the players and why you talk of LeBron in one breath and James Harden in another. Is you look at that 2011 meltdown that LeBron had, or or meltdown, what some people would call a meltdown, it was and a then you look at what time. happened next year. They bounce back and they win, and and then you look at this one, devastating loss in the 2018 Western Conference Finals. Then come 2019, they match up with them in the playoffs again. Uh, and maybe thinking along that narrative, you think, oh, is this the moment where the team comes together, James Harden leads them and they push on? But it doesn't. Uh, but, uh, and they and they fall again and, and then that leads to the breakup. I, I mean, okay, but you're also forgetting at that time there was a whole load of issues regarding James Harden and Chris Paul playing together. And that was Yeah, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying is... Mm. is uh, not maybe, may, not just looking at him himself. But I'm not just saying, oh, LeBron in 2011 had a meltdown, then in 2012 came back and won. I'm I'm looking at the team, the team as a whole as well, uh, and how that team from 2018, talking about how we think it affected them negatively, does that then go against James Harden that we were talking about before with? those intangibles about leadership and uh, and put pulling the team together does that count mm. against him i think it definitely has to be taken into account i think but i think it's a natural reaction because obviously the first year the synergy was there the, t- the togetherness was there and i think it's because they were winning and chris paul is like okay 
James Harden's handling the ball a lot. He's doing a lot of ISO plays. But we're winning 65 games and we're getting to the Western Conference final. So that's all right. When yeah. you get to that point of, by halfway through the season last year, by the way, with the Houston Rockets, James Harden had to go super Saiyan. Super Saiyan yeah. to get that team into the playoffs because they went on a really bad start. But he went 32 straight games scoring 30 points or more. And I think Chris Paul was in and out of the team with injury at that stage. He comes back in. The roles are all sort of, it's not defined. And I think then he starts to, James Harden starts to question Chris Paul's contribution. Chris Paul starts to uh, question whether James Harden's style of play can win a championship. And it it's hard to really come back from that, I think. And these two, I mean, Chris Paul's a guy of a really strong personality. Maybe James could have steadied the ship a little bit, but it's not in his personality. I just don't think it's in his personality to do that. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people talk about like your Jordans and your Kobe's once again, going back to these all-time players and the mentalities they have. And then you you look you look at other players and maybe you wouldn't put in the same breadth as they who who don't have those sorts of intangibles. But I would I would say as well is when you think about these narratives, I think it's easy to get lost in them and not recognise and realise how great some of the things like the Herculean effort you were speaking about that he had to do in the regular season to get that yeah, Rockets team over the line. You forget about those moments maybe and just remember the 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 high pressure legacy making like that, that narrative bringing back that narrative again those moments people focus more on them than the than the other feats that he's achieved it's hard it's how it is in the nba because there's only yeah. one championship like i said before and you're defined your legacy is defined on whether you have a ring or not really i mean there's a lot of great players that haven't won a ring and you hear them disregard i mean you just have to turn on inside the nba on tnt and you see Shaq and even kenny is jet smith who's a role player at best they're you know but belittling charles barkley it was like literally one of the greatest players of all time because he doesn't yeah. have a championship and there's so much opinion that, that comes into this as well because even us talking before just then about oh how much do you put james hard put on james harden for a team failing because ultimately it while some people may argue that he didn't Push them over the line. The team didn't exactly help him either. So, so it is it, all opinion, really. Whether you think, oh yeah, this player needs to, he is the main guy. It's all on him. Versus, well, actually, if you look, if you look a bit deeper, you know, it hit you can't. You can only do so much. I just think he's always needed a more, maybe outspoken, aggressive guy with him. If that makes sense, maybe not. You know, he's not he's always going to be the number one guy on the team in terms of scoring, but I think he needs that personality next to him. Like some guys just aren't but meant to lead the team. That's not an issue. Having to say that someone you need someone next to them is not a derogatory it's manner. No, it's not. I'm not trying to be I'm, derogatory. I know, but like again, I, I and I see this all the time when it's spoken about with James Harden. LeBron James needed Kyrie Irving. He now needs Anthony Davis. Like Michael Jordan needed Scotty Pi- like Scotty Pippen in this stuff. Yeah, exactly. You can put this to every single person out there. 
I'm not going to blame James Harden because in this, in that time it was him and him only. It's it is a you are in a team sport. LeBron James mm-hmm. needed Ray Allen to hit one of the most stupendous shots of all time to keep this team together. So you're like, you, you, there are so many factors in it. It's not all on James Harden. I understand that. Yeah, it exactly. And it's on him, but it is a team sport. Yeah, and I think it's difficult to get. This is sometimes people get lost in that and and, and their names as opposed to uh, understanding. I, you know, that at this? the end of the day, it's a team game. Can I throw this to you? Do you think that the way James Harden teams play, where he is the heavy isolation guy, he breaks down his defender, like you said, with absolute immense skill. No one in the game can do it like him, I don't think, anyway. Throws it out, yeah. maybe, or maybe he goes for a free throw, maybe lays it up, whatever. Do you think that type of heavy isolation, high usage, we've never seen anything like it before. It literally has the record for the highest usage season in the NBA. I heard an interview when, you know, it was Tracy McGrady and it was Kobe Bryant. And they were saying this was in the middle of James Harden's 30 point run last season that there's, you can't win a, a championship the way that James Harden's playing. And that really, I don't know, that really hit home for me. Cause I think, I think Kobe Bryant, people, Kobe wasn't the guy who liked to pass a lot. And yeah. he's saying you can't win a championship the way James Harden plays. And I think, I think it's a little bit of that, but I also just think there is the point to it that I don't think James Harden's very comfortable in really, really high pressure situations. I just don't think he's ever had that. I mean, yeah, I can't argue against it. When you look at everything, all the facts would point that that is the statement that is correct, that in in a highest pressure situation, unfortunately, he's not become a diamond yet. He's still got playing time on him. He's 30 years old. He'll have enough time to try and get a chip. I also think that I know the Chris Paul series and I, I will maintain that if Chris Paul was in game seven, they go through and they win that. But it's more of the point of that. I think with Russell Westbrook now, and I made this point clear as day when he first signed. And I remember you who didn't like it at the time. I think that this is his best opportunity to win a chip was with Russell Westbrook because of the dynamism that them two put together when you put them on the court. Yeah. I remember it was just at the time I, I, I was thinking, you know, how, do you take these two very high usage players and put them together? But I, I mean, I always thought that they'd, they'd do well. I, I think at the start of the season, I'd put them second in, in the West, but I didn't think they'd have enough to win. I thought there'd be some friction, but it seems as the season's gone on that, that you know, they've gelled together. Well, probably helped by the fact that they're great friends. Yeah. It's and more... because they're such brilliant players and well... you were looking at them, recently before obviously the situation we're in and they were looking like a serious threat so to your point you know maybe 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 this is the best time i mean look i said this at the time and it's it goes back to you you can kind of make comparisons to when chris paul was signed and and you look at it and there was so many things at the time of that how these two can't work but if two top tier one players want to make it work they will make it work you go back to the point that you mentioned, Louis, about how with Chris Paul not on that floor there, that there isn't that presence, that nitty gritty grind that I'm mm. going to get in your face, I'm going to push it over. We've all seen Russell Westbrook play. We know how petty he is. And it's a good thing when we're talking about this now. Because yeah. it rubs off on your team. It'll rub off in that stadium when you need yeah, that advantage. I think when someone's playing down and Russell Westbrook's having a bad Russell Westbrook's having a bad game and he cannot shoot the three or he can't get his mid-range going or whatever, you've got James Harden to step in for you. When James Harden's having a game that he can't shoot the three, he's not landing for him, which has happened in the regular season as well. He's not been having 
obviously he's having a fantastic year when it goes in terms of numbers. I predicted that he was going to get 40 plus this year. He's obviously not going to do that, but it's more of that. There's now the ability that James Harden doesn't have to solely rely on him to score the points. I understand Chris Paul was a phenomenal player, but you never think of Chris Paul as a go. He's going to go and get you a bucket. Russell Westbrook, you look at him, that man can get you a bucket if he needs to. So you kind of, there's a, that burden off of him whereas James Harden is still the main man in that team obviously but you've got Russell Westbrook that's kind of just literally a little pillar below you now not there's not like a drop off between them and that's no disrespect to Chris Paul but in terms of point scoring there was yeah the, I mean the argument people would have against it I think is the key word you used obviously was regular season and you know people have questioned yeah, James Harden in the playoffs people you know they question Westbrook in the playoffs yeah, as well so so yeah, you want, you'd want to see how they function in the playoffs as well. But I, I mean, personally, I think they do. But again, you, you'll make that you'll make that comparison but, because if you're if I, you're stating on the on the fact of Russell Westbrook not performing in the playoffs, it will be again because if he's the character or the type of person that when the pressure was on him in the playoffs he couldn't perform because he was the sole man. You now look at it and there's it two. Wasn't of, it was the sole man though. But it's more of the, if you look at Russell Westbrook in that scenario, he, him himself, he will believe he was the best player on that team. You will understand. Yeah, I mean, I think the questions with Westbrook and the question with James Harden, I think the criticisms are different for both of them. Yeah. So, so I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that they, they're the same in the playoffs. I think they have different mm. problems that people criticize, but the overarching thing is that they maybe choke's the wrong word, but they, underperform in the playoffs and so that would be something people would hold against personally i i think that they would have a very good chance because while the clippers and the lakers and and, and maybe the bucks they've got their own playoff criticisms they're they're great teams they're not you know that warriors team with steph and glay and kd so so maybe now you think all right now might be the time but I would then pose the question, if you had to pick your order of who you think would make it out of the West at the moment, wh- where would you put the Rockets? Because I, I personally would have them third. So, you know, when you look at that, you think, oh, maybe it isn't. So, so it's, it's a mean, difficult question to answer. I put them third now. I didn't think they'd beat, like, I think they've grown on me a little bit. Mm. The main thing I still have is that if if you think I was harsh on James Harden this this uh, podcast, if we were ever to do a swingman spotlight on Russell Westbrook, <laughs> Christ, <laughs> I, well, I trust that guy much, Yeah, I trust that guy much less than I trust James Harden in the past. And uh, like, it's different things. I just think Russell Westbrook is so set in his ways that it becomes a bit of a hindrance to the overall team. Whereas James Harden, I just uh, think the style of play and Maybe his mentality sometimes isn't there. That's the only thing I have with Harden. It's not about his ability to do it. I f- I I'm not sure if Russell Westbrook has the ability to elevate his team above, you know, the the players like are on the Clippers or the Lakers. I put them third, which is better than what I thought they'd be before the season. But I don't fancy him against the Clippers or the Lakers or the Bucks, to be honest with you. Hmm. George, what about you? You know, you said that you thought this was the best time. Yeah, where I mean, would you put them? Just is, looking at the West. I, I his, completely understand your standpoint, by the way. Yeah. It's it's his best time to win it. But again, this is what I would have said afterwards. I still wouldn't have them coming out of that conference. Mm. So, well, just would you have them both? But like, if you had to put 
who you think would make it out of the West? Would you put them below below both LA teams? Yeah, I mean, I would. This is the issue. I yeah, would. exactly. So, but, but that's so not, in other words, just just to pose this question now. Oh, yeah, I'm not trying to take away from Joe's heart. I'm saying that, by the way. Well, actually, you know, say, say now. I'll pose this question after you finish. Actually, it's not a fact of. Um, me not believing in James Harden and Russell Westbrook. It's a fact of, again, and I'll make the point again and again and again, on that team and you look at the depth and the strength in depth of those Lakers and those Clippers and you look at the Rockets, there is no comparison between the two. Yeah, but, me, uh, I'm just looking into... Series. Yeah, I was just looking into when you think the best time was, I would say in that 2018, in the West, I would say there was only one team better than them. And that, and, that, and that was the Warriors. But then you look at the Warriors and they were so much better than everyone else. So, so, yeah, so it's a difficult question to, to pose up. I mean, this is all, this is all hypothesis. So. Mm. Well, hyperbole, if you want to say that instead. Wanna, you're not getting yeah, another question, five, so. Yeah, yeah the question I, wanna, I was going to pose. Oh, go on, Lou. No, this is more of a final question. So you ask Okay, question, so, so I'll do this first and then we'll go on to that. So my, my question would be taking that into context of where you'd rank the teams now? Do you and and, and I, I want a yes or no really? Do you think James Harden is going to win an NBA title? Yes. You think yes? Okay. Louis? No. I don't. Yeah. Think I, he'll ring go chase. On, go on. I don't think he'll ring chase. That's the thing. I I would also say no, probably. Uh, but, I think he will. Yeah, that's fair enough. I just I just wanted to. Yes or no questions, and we all gave straight answers. So, Louis, do you want to say what you were going to say now? Um, I mean, as we wrap this all up, coming to a swift conclusion on James Harden's career, I think mm. we're all in agreement that we, we can't argue that James Harden hasn't fully utilised his skills to the fullest. He has made maximum of whatever people thought of him coming out of college. But yeah. We've compared him to a lot of all-time players and said he falls short in that regard. So in terms of all-time, I mean, I'm not expecting you to have done a ranking list or anything yeah. like that. But ballpark figure, top 30, top 40, where are you thinking? I wouldn't have him in my top 50, but I'd have him in my top 100. That's for certain. Yeah, I think it's harder to... Harsh. Yeah, I think it's easier to look at it at just the shooting guard position, to be honest. I think that's easier to mm. to think about. Because think uh, here's, a, here's a, maybe a good comparison. Sorry? Dwayne Wade? Uh, no, I'd go Dwayne Wade. I think I think a good comparison would be maybe him to to a player like like a Tracy McGrady, let's say. Would you have Harden uh, over him? I yeah, would have Harden over Tracy McGrady. Absolutely every day of the week. Oh, yeah, I, I would have James Harden as well. So, so I, I think he's in that in between between those players. Like, I mean, obviously MJ is standalone shooting guard, and Kobe's a little bit below him, and then Wade's a little bit below him. But yeah. it uh, there's those, and then I think James Harden fits in the middle, and then you have your like your Tracy McGrady, your Vince Carter's. So that I that would that, be where, where I, would I, I I would have James Harden as a probably a top. Top seven shooting guard, probably what I'd say. Yeah, yeah I mean, he's definitely up there, on top yeah. of your head anyway. He's probably definitely yeah. top seven. Yeah, just right. just thinking about it now. You have got MJ, Kobe, Dwayne Wade, and then he's in the conversation after that, without doubt. I'm having Allen Iverson over James Harden. No, no, no. We'll get. We can do one on him. No, 
definitely not. I'm definitely oh, that not was that was a bit harsh. I mean, personally, thinking about uh, it, I would probably have James Harden over Anonymous, but that, that, that's a. I guess that's a combination conversation that's for another time. Com- it's it's a good conversation. For, yeah, that is. Um, that's probably a better one than the Tracy McGrady one, actually. Uh, in my personal opinion, I think Alan Iverson is the greatest player to never win a ring. No. I don't, I don't quite <laughs> well, let me look this up. That. I want to look up. I mean, a good comparison I heard on another podcast was like the guard version of Karl Malone. Like the consistency yeah. is similar there, where, you know, he was one of the best players in the league for a good like 10 year stretch. And then obviously Carl very similarly had kind of not, eh, not as much as a breakdown as James Harden, I think has had in players, but he constantly got knocked back by Michael Jordan and he couldn't, he could never get over that hump. Um, yeah. Obviously very dissimilar players, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's potentially a decent comparison to make just of someone falling short of reaching that. Top top echelon, let's say. Best player to never win a ring. Yeah. Mm. I mean, what what would you say in terms of what's holding him back? For me, it's as I was saying before, I put him so high up because of the unbelievable statistics he puts up and the ama- how amazing he is as a basketball player. But then, what stops him from going up with? the ones we mentioned as being the best of the best is those high pressure legacy defining moments. He just, he just, whether it's through the thought of himself or not, that can be argued. He just, he just falls short. Hmm. It is relentless mentality. And that's all I think it is. I just think it's that reckless abandonment that we've seen guys like Kobe have I think Kobe's the best comparison because guys like LeBron can rely on his physicality, whereas James Harden's a perimeter player. I just think I I'm, I think it's just the way he carries himself, it's not as scary. And that that seems like a weird thing. Obviously Darren Morey doesn't have the measurements of that. He doesn't have the analytics to <laughs> measure I mean, something yeah, like that. It's very difficult when you start to argue about intangibles yeah but you have to remember when you look at these greatest players and and the level of basketball we're looking at it's things that have to be discussed because they are the things that those minute differences between those players yeah most definitely um i i want to i want to end on one question just to you mm-hmm. two so we spoke about as an all-time like where where he'd rank as an all time uh, player in in terms of that, we also spoke about as a shooting guard, and then we even spoke about as a player not to win a to win a ring. But I want to know where would you rank him as an all time rocket? Second, quite yeah. Easy. I mean, he's probably second, yeah, after Hakeem. So you're putting him. So you, so, you, so you're putting him above Moses Malone. As well? uh, Moses Malone wasn't really his peak at Houston. It was more yeah. Ralph Sampson had a good couple years at the start. Again, tailed off injuries and that. Clyde the Glide passed his prime at that time. Yeah, it's got to be second. No, Yao Ming. Mm. Yao Ming. Yeah, I guess. I guess Yao Ming or, I mean, even. I, I'd have him second. I'm just, he was I'm, so I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate here. So. Yeah, I think yeah. I think I'd go second. Yeah. There's no way he can't be second. Yao Ming yeah. go, go third for me, but Yao Ming didn't have the kind of consistency, durability this long peak that James Harden has. I mean, you could argue mm. Hakeem 
even didn't touch what James Harden's done over the regular season. It's just those two championships, his defensive record. Yeah, it's it's got to be second. B's quite a firm second to the dream Hakeem Olajuwon. Yeah. All right, then. So I'm going to wrap that one up there. Um, it's a big old podcast, this, of volume one. Yeah, of the, so uh, I was looking. It's a long one. I didn't the, even notice that. Yeah, of the Swingman Spotlight. Um, James Harden is in the books. The beard has been done. Um, so thank you very much for listening. Make sure you're following us on our socials at Swingman Pod. Uh, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, and we're on Facebook. We post daily up there now. So make sure that you, uh, you, you drop us a follow on there. Um, make sure you wash them hands, stay home, stay safe. And thank you very much for listening and peace.